Welcome to Gritty Leaders Podcast. Ian, last time we were talking about your Iron Man challenge, and whilst you were doing that, I was here in my study, heads down, doing dissertation research, part of my my master's in uh, the psychology of coaching and behaviour change, which, by the way, last week was awarded. So I've, I've got the bit of paper. Congratulations. Got the bit of paper now. I, I, crossed, I crossed my line. And the title of the research is Ask Strategically, an investigation of how line managers ask questions to facilitate continuous learning. But it's not me asking the questions today, it's you. Over to you, Ian. Well, thank you, Ben. And uh, what a great title. And when you shared this with me and I read through not every one of the 18,000 words, but (laughs) most of them, uh, it struck me how important it would be just to let people hear a bit more about this because it's very relevant to leaders, line managers, etc., as the topic suggests. So let me get into it. Why is this topic so important to you? Well, I've always been interested in questions and and actually I think that goes back almost almost 30 years. I I heard a story, an anecdote, um, it might even be folklore, a myth, I don't know, but the story I heard was the story of, I don't know if it was Oxford or Cambridge, but it was a philosophy paper and it was a three-hour paper and there was a single question uh, and an essay answer was expected. And the question, get this, the question was this, is this a question? <laughs> Brilliant. And the story is that the student who received full marks spent two hours, 55 minutes of that three-hour examination period considering, and then simply wrote, if this is an answer. I love it. I love it. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that great? Yeah. And it began me thinking about the nature of questions. What are they? What do they produce? Is it actually true that an answer is the main indicator of a question? Or do they produce something else? It, it really started me on a long, curious journey. So that's, that's, that's why the broad topic. Fascinating. I love the story. So how, how would you answer the question, why are questions so important? Well, I think I'd answer that with, with a question, actually, Ian. Um, and again, I go back a, a, a little while. You and I have both trained as, as executive coaches. Mm. And, and I remember as I, as I began that training, those early bits of training, there was a lot of talk about the questions that coaches ask. And it's out there, isn't it? It's sort of widely received that coaches, they've got good questions. But of all the coaching books on my shelves, there's none that are a list of questions. <laughs> uh, in fact, there's there's one, actually, that is a list of, of questions. And I don't find it very helpful. Occasionally, I open it up and I dip in. And I think, do you know what? None of these questions are are right for for what I'm looking for. So it kind of got me thinking about, well, 
how do I pick my questions? There's nothing in the literature, by the way, on how coaches form and pick their questions per se. There's stuff about approaches and theories of, of questioning, but it's a little bit of a, uh, a blind spot. So again, that, that, got me, that got me curious. And when I think about my coaching conversations, sure, I ask questions, but that's not necessarily the the main thing that I'm doing to to take that coaching conversation further. So this this was one of the one of the questions uh, that really informed the research. Actually, is in fact how important are questions? Can we can we find that out, please? I find that fascinating. So you kind of found a gap, really. Yeah, a bit of a gap. I mean, there's 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 stuff that fills the gap. Uh, back in 1991, there was a researcher called Ram. He has a theories of of questions that I like, and yeah, he says questions are are central to understanding. And as a story unfolds, knowledge goals are often expressed as as, as questions. Uh, you know, and they arise when a reasoner's knowledge or understanding is in, inadequate. There's a there's a gap, and it leads the the reasoner to focus on what he or she needs to to know, and they formulate a question. And the purpose of the question is to to acquire knowledge. And you know, and I I quite like that because it moved me on from the idea of having questions in my mind to actually the question emerges quite naturally in response to to something that needs to be to be understood there's sort of a similar theory of uh one of the ways in which coaching works a model in the domain of coaching which is that in an emerging conversation between you and I for example and a conversation which is connected to the aim of our coaching whatever we're working towards together of course it's a naive conversation i as a coach don't know about your world so one of the things that happens is that conversation becomes sort of populated filled up with information and knowledge in response to to the questions that you know are generated dynamically as that as that conversation uh, unfolds and i quite like that model mm. but it immediately gets me thinking that uh as I help a conversation to unfold like that, sure, I might ask questions, but I'm equally likely to simply probe. And one of the probes is, hey, Ian, can you say a bit more about mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm really not sure that that is, is a question. So again, uh, the, the idea of what a question is becomes elusive uh, to, to me. So there were two sub-questions in the research. One was how do line managers facilitate the continuous learning of their people and teams? So specifically, not presupposing that they're using questions. And then second of all, how do line managers use questions as they do that? Mm. That's really interesting what you say there about questions that actually there's a sort of feeling that coaches, as you say, have these great questions. Mm. But actually the greatest question of all can be tell me more. Right. And you say the greatest question of all. Very often, I think, the greatest question of all stands on the shoulders of the questions that came before it. Mm, You know, mm -hmm. one question leads to another question, leads to a better question, leads to a really interesting question. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and this really challenges for me the idea that a question produces an answer. Yeah, no, it's absolutely fascinating because this is the world we both live in. Um, <laughs> just going to a bit of the research, um, and I pulled out some of the stuff in there, you say that managers should focus on groups rather than individuals and ask more questions pushing for reflection to facilitate the continuous learning you talk about. Mm -hmm. Why are groups so essential? And the second part of this is, why is reflection so important? So why are groups essential? Why is reflection important? Yeah, okay. Well, one of the first things to say is that this was purposeful research. And what I mean by that is the way that I identified and selected the people I interviewed was by having team members nominate a leader who they considered to be a good facilitator of of learning. Mm -hmm. Then I wanted to find out how they were doing this. And one of the things they described, uh, it was really obvious uh, in their descriptions, is they weren't talking about one-to-one interactions with uh, with the people that reported into them. They were talking about groups and they were put together groups. So this is something that uniformly the strong facilitators of of learning were doing. Um, Groups are important, I think, if you want to create learning in a team rather than in an individual. Yeah, that's, that's one part of it. But when we dig deeper, there's far more experience and perspective in a group than there is in any one individual. Uh, It creates the opportunity for integrative learning. One of the things I saw is that leaders would form groups that were were wide groups uh, and would generate a a discussion that was broadly relevant to the topic of interest as well as specifically relevant to the topic of interest. So you would get ideas from other parts of the business that applied to a specific problem in in a particular part of the business I definitely saw that, and I also saw close groups that were very much within a a particular context. But I think a big part of the answer comes back to how we learn, and a big part of that is that well, adult learning is quite task-oriented. We have experience to to bring to it. When we look at the learning mechanism, one of the one of the theories that really has a strong hold is is the theory of experiential learning. Yeah, and this says that we need contextually rich experience, and then we critically reflect mm-hmm. on the experience. Then we contextually specific again. We conceptualize what we might do next, and then we actively experiment, and then the the process repeats. And the key bit of it, and the way that this science has, has developed, is that it's really important, it's contextually rich experience. And that's why it's better to have a group of people that are actually involved in the work and doing the work, living and breathing it, that's much more rich than a manager talking to his report about the work they're doing. The manager is not so involved quite often. So it's richer to have that group who are actually in amongst it, in amongst doing doing the work. So that was a part of it. Did you ask about reflection? Mm, I did, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think this comes back to, you know, maybe this will circle back to uh, the types of question that, that get asked. But, you know, reflection is is pretty important. If we look at what good reflection is, often it has a, you know, a stage of describing events, looking for details, being objective, questioning how we've learned from something, how the experience is similar to or different from other experiences. And then there's another stage which is about making judgments on that, the quality of the experience. Is it good? Is it bad? What are the best and the worst features? What went well? What didn't go so well? And then there's a sort of a further stage of of analysis. There's a deeper questioning of what happened, uh, making sense of it. Uh, how do we explain different parts of it? So reflection, when we really think about it, it's important to go deep with the reflection and and not be shallow. And again, that works really well in a group because you've got a large number of ref- reflectors or you might have a single reflector and a large number of participants who are are questioning and those probes from so many angles they really drive that critical critical reflection so just picking up on reflection which you've said is vital in your experience do managers and groups reflect enough on what they've done in this part in this fast-moving world or do we move on too quickly that's an excellent question actually two answers my experience is that Today, most people know that they will benefit from reflecting, but often that reflection is is shallow. It's quick. It's, I'm going to take 10 minutes and I'm going to think about what happened there, you know, which is far less shallow than the sort of critically reflective thinking that, that I walked us through just now. One of my simple reflection structures is is three questions. Um, what? What happened? So what? Uh, and now what? And just that takes me further. Um, but I think, you know, in answer to the question, they know they need to reflect. They do reflect. Uh, but often it's shallow. And one of the things I, I saw here, although it wasn't, it wasn't directly signposted, is that... If we're working in groups, if there's a group conversation about the work and the context and the work and what's happening and what we find in that and what understandings emerge, that naturally creates a far more substantial reflective process, even if people don't notice or label it as that. Mm-hmm. I suppose without going down a, a sort of side rabbit hole, what you've made me reflect on is also personality types, and some people will be far more apt to reflect right. because of a certain personality type than others who just want to move on. And so I guess that feeds into this debate. But let me go on to another question for you. In the dissertation, you write about the manager being a facilitator, which of course yeah. is a skill in itself of learning. In your experience, how important do managers currently see this as part of their role? This kind of came to the the centre of the the research. I think it's it's widely received that we should be doing this. I was reading in Harvard Business Review recently. Um, 
at Procter and Gamble, the CEO, I forget the lady's name. I really must memorize it. Anyway, she said at Procter and Gamble, we believe the the fastest learner wins because we see in uncertain and changing markets that experimentation, rapid cycle feedback, and the ability to adapt our competitive imperatives. And all of these require learning. Yeah, it so this comes from the top, I think, in in lots of organizations. Uh Peter Seng uh in the uh in in his famous book, yeah, he he quotes Shell's head of strategic planning. In the long run, the only sustainable source of competitive edge is your organization's ability to learn faster than its competitors. So this comes from the top. Um, we all know that we should be facilitating learning. But how do we do that? That's a completely different question. And there's a there's a good chunk in the scholarly literature that talks about manager as coach, leader as coach. There's this powerful idea that managers and leaders are taking a coaching approach to do this. And I'm sorry, I just don't buy that. I didn't buy that when I was thinking of my research topic. I was thinking, you know, as a coach, I've got naivety. You know, that conversation we we're talking about earlier where it needs to get populated with the, you know, with the facts and the the context. I'm naive, so that has to happen in our conversation. A line manager, uh, a manager in business, they probably know more about the topic than than their report. That's different. As a coach, I'm neutral. I'm not part of any power structure. A line manager has direct authority over the the person they're they're with. That's a significant difference. In coaching, the agenda is is learning, or the agenda is progress towards whatever outcome we've agreed for the coaching. But for a manager, there are so many other agendas, political outcomes, you pick, so many agendas. So I just didn't buy it. I thought the situation is so entirely different. I don't buy that they're taking a, a coaching approach. And this is what the research showed, actually, that, that the great managers, they're not taking a coaching approach, although they may well be doing that in their one-to-ones. But what they were doing instead is they would switch into a more facilitative approach. They would promote group working. By doing that, the conversation would emerge, this continuous, reflective, learning conversation about the context, about the work. They would ask some questions, but really they were looking for those questions to emerge amongst that conversation. Uh, and there was one other thing they were doing was they did bring people to to action. So they would nudge, you know, if the conversation was going on too long or the conversation wasn't coming to uh, a conclusion, they would nudge people into, into action. And that is so very different from uh, a one-on-one coaching approach. Fascinating. It just shows the importance of doing this kind of research. Otherwise, we kind of guess at these answers, don't we? Let's uh, go into another question here. I remember years ago, so this is where this question comes from, being told that you can never start a question with why, because it's very aggressive. Yeah, why why, uh, asks for justification. So you get a justification in response very often. uh, And then we set up a a conflict, actually, between the, the, the questioner and the answerer. Sort of building on that, how much does the way you say it, i.e. the tone of voice, the intonation... 
etc. play a part versus the actual content of the question. So what's the, you know, we talk all the stats about communication and body language and all this. Sure, thing. yeah. Where's the, in what we're talking about today, where is the part for all the other stuff, the non-verbal and the non-content compared to the content? It's huge, I think, the way questions are, are asked. We all know that. Um, but it wasn't really the, the focus or a focus of the research. But I did ask... Um, how do you come up with questions? And there were two different answers. One was what we've already talked about. Um, roughly half said um, they paused, a long pause. That's one of the ways you know you've asked a good question. There's a long pause. And they said, I don't know, really. They just come up in conversation. Mm. You know, that natural emergence of the question that we were talking about earlier. That was the answer half the time. And the people that answered differently, they said, well, when I'm choosing or forming a question, the thing that's on my mind is I want to enable the other person. And, you know, that's not directly answering what you're asking about, Ian, here. But if their intent was to enable, you can be sure that that question was delivered with a tone, a phraseology, uh, a body language that was that was also enabling. So... That's really important, I think. And, you know, in this context, we're talking about uh, doing this in a way that enables. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at, again, a couple of parts to the dissertation, what's the relationship between a good question and continuous learning? So I, I think there's there's two things to say here. It's really a relationship between the continuous reflective conversation and learning and that conversation is likely to produce uh, lots of questions but also produce lines of inquiries probes you know and other you know other dynamics in that conversation that surface the important pieces and move things forward but it it will it will generate good good questions as well but it's it's a relationship between the conversation and the learning and the other way to think about it, I think, is if we return to the experiential learning cycle, that progression through contextually rich experience, then critical reflection, and then conceptualization uh, and moving into active experimentation. Well, we could also say the relationship between the question and the learning is uh, does the question move the conversation around that cycle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, and sort of subsequent question to that, really, once people get this and they understand those links in that cycle, you know, reflection and then continuous learning and then action and so on back to the start, do they just continue to do that naturally? Do you think there's a sort of shift in human beings and managers and leaders where they suddenly get the power of reflective learning, the fact that it's leading to continuous learning, the fact they're making us better people, the fact that it then focuses more about the question. Do you think that cycle becomes kind of embedded in people in your experience that you see, or do they have to kind of almost be coached for a long period of time for this to happen? Because you and I think about this a lot, but do you think for the, the manager that kind of, they, they kind of flip and they kind of get it and do it then from then on? Yeah, so I did ask about this, and but I didn't know I was asking about this, actually. One of my closing questions was, 
to each of these these managers who are really good at at doing this. I asked them, you know, what was the single piece of training or anything else that actually has informed how you approach this, has enabled you to do this? And without fail, their answer was, it wasn't a piece of training. It was my first experience of learning this way myself. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it was such a powerful experience. And they suddenly did uh, a piece of thinking that they wouldn't have done uh, otherwise. And it solved a problem that they didn't anticipate solving. And the lights came on and suddenly they become addicted actually to to this this way of of learning uh, and that was that was the answer from from every single one of them you know and for me i remember that experience uh, personally it was the first time that i sat uh in a peer group of other managing directors and chief executives and i told them about something that was going on and then they asked me questions for half an hour and that really drove my understanding of the the situation and then we talked about possible solutions uh, for another half an hour and I had a choice of things to do Uh, and then I the next week I chose and I applied one of those and it really moved me forward on but it all came back to that one hour and I thought wow this is how to learn it was so incredibly powerful it's why uh, I I chair and peer groups today is is an important part of what I'm doing. I mean, like you, the power in that is phenomenal, isn't it? And I think once you've seen it for yourself and understood how that cycle works, I guess some people grab it quicker than others, but um, it is so powerful. Coming on to another question, what makes a good question versus a bad question? You know, do you ever sit there at the end and go, oh my God, that was a bad question I asked? (laughs) Or, um, you know... Tell us a bit about that. I think it's simple. I think the good question takes things further you know, and appropriate to the the point in the conversation. It might be different. It might open things up. It might expand. It might populate the conversation with the right context, with additional perspectives. Or it might be a question that sort of shifts us into really probing and understanding that or it might be a question that starts to move us towards deciding, uh, selecting, what are we going to do next? So I, I think the the good question is simply one that takes things further. And a bad question? What's a bad question? Or shouldn't we even be talking about that? Uh, it, it's the opposite. It, it stops things. And um, there was a really specific uh, example of this that came up in the, the research. One of the things that the managers said really clearly is that they tried actually to ask quite few questions in a lot of situations because they had authority. And if they asked the question, then the response was different. People were thinking, well, actually, what is it that Ben wants to hear here? He's asked a very specific question. What answer is he driving at? So actually, they're not trying to answer my question. They're trying to get at... Uh, a specific answer that they think I'm driving at when what we really want them doing is thinking about the situation uh, and generating uh, understanding and answers, if you like, uh, that move the the situation forward. So the bad question 
shuts things down and the managers were hyper aware that very often any question that they asked, because they had authority, because they had a different uh, position, had the potential to be actually a very limiting question. Mm. And so, again, in the, in the research and in all your experience of working with CEOs and line managers, what's the quality of questioning? Is it, is it high? Is it low? Are managers good at this? I think it's really variable. In the research, it was really high. But of course, I deliberately selected managers who are good at this. I think out there, day to day, it's very mixed. Maybe I look at people and some are really keen to get quickly to an answer or an outcome. And those often are the least effective questioners, whereas the ones who have less urgency and maybe it really feels that they're curious, those are the effective ones. Mm. So slow slow down to speed up, yeah. Slow down, get curious, yeah. There was a, a special category, by the way, that, that came up in the, the research, and this appeared two or three times as people told me stories of how the learning works in their organisation. And it was really clear when it appeared that in certain circumstances, it turns out that there is a very special category of questions that work for us in this circumstance. And when that circumstance emerged, off they went, and there were 20 questions which they just knew were going to fully explore that circumstance, lead them through understanding it, generate different ways forward and lead to a, uh, an answer. And so we saw that in the, in the research uh, as well. So that's worth thinking about as well. Are there particular sets of questions that are specifically effective for us here in our circumstance? You may have, you may have some of those as well. Curiosity, that's uh, the key here, isn't it? It reminds me of Steve Jobs, one of his mantras was stay curious. So final question, and then I'll just ask you to reflect on how you've changed as a result. But um, what do line managers need to do to get better at this? So I'm going to walk you through the thematic map of this research, actually. You've seen this in the, in the research, but this describes all of the different trends that were captured across the the responsive and this is what this is what managers need to do they need to be facilitative so that means stepping back it means listening it means connecting to what's important it means ensuring clear expectations it means creating a learning context reviewing progress it means feeding back it means modeling behaviors but it's it's being it's all the time being stepped back away from the detail, the content of the work. So step number one, be facilitative. Number two, establish ways of group working and promote good working. Um, Buddy people up, pair people up, mix people, bring people together from far and wide as well as teams that are working together uh, all the time so that we've got both broadly relevant and specific relevant discussion going on form peer cohorts uh, as well in your uh, in your organization and bring people to together regularly structure that group working and at this stage then we begin to see that learning conversation that continuous reflective uh, learning conversation starts 
to emerge. And as we listen to that, the qualities of it will be that uh, it's both broadly and specifically relevant. It's sharing experiences and learnings as we talk about our work. It's both spontaneous as well as planned. You know, these conversations spring up when things happen, when things come up. It tackles problems and difficulties. It talks about before and after, and the conversation happens in the lead up uh, and in the aftermath of things. And it's really prompted as, you know, as stuff comes up day to day. So that's the conversation that emerges. And then this is where we talk about questions and we're going to see facilitative questions, effective questions, uh, sort of enabling questions. And I saw so many different sorts of questions, um, enabling questions, questions that empower someone, that manager who was so conscious about answering or even asking a, a question when when that manager received a question, they would quite often deflect. They would say, well, what have you, what have you considered? Have you seen this before? And actually, that was a very enabling question because it it placed the the responsibility, the ownership, clearly with the the thinker, and avoided it switching back to to the manager, so they could stay facilitative. Their facilitative questions they might have been driving questions, challenging questions, questions that include people into the conversation, questions that open the thinking, widen the thinking, deepen the thinking, probe blind spots encourage reflection questions that would release knowledge you know uh, you can sometimes see in the conversation can't you that there's an answer there and a carefully chosen question releases that answer into the conversation so that little nudge to to get people to to say it out loud questions about application how could we apply that questions that surface obstacles all of these sorts of questions but critically we want to see those appear in the conversation rather than it always being the the manager asking them. In fact, we want it to rarely be the manager asking. And then the final thing, so they've been facilitative, they're promoting group working, they've seen the learning conversation emerge and they're nurturing that by asking questions which might be facilitative, effective or enabling. The final thing that the manager's do and this is when they stop being f- facilitative they bring things to action if necessary they might just say hey it's time to get into action now what are we going to do that nudge to bring that conversation from reflection from planning into action they would encourage decisions they would encourage the first step they would ask what do we need you know what resources are needed here to take the first step they would encourage uh, quick application. Well, if we're going to experiment with that, if we're going to try that, let's try it this week. Let's try it uh, today, and they'd help and encourage. So that was the that's the final thing is to bring these conversations to action. Wow, what a great set of tips and techniques and action points to take out of this podcast. So it leads me to a kind of final roundup question, really, which is, how have you reflected on this whole? dissertation and your MSc and what has changed in the way you work and what you're going to do with it I imagine some of it's going to go into your book you know is it going to be published you know so I guess your reflection and 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 your action out of all this well funnily enough I think I ask better questions or or perhaps uh, I know when to not ask uh, a question I think it's really helped my understanding 
uh, in that sense. Um, it's really helped me to think differently about how I work with anyone who leads a team you know, and their role in the team. Great. Look, thanks very much. It's been the a, a second of our two podcasts on looking at what we did in our our year where we put press the pause button on gritty leaders podcast this one's been fascinating for me to get into uh, i think there's lots of action points for people to listen to so i hope everyone's enjoyed it thanks ben i love telling the story um it wasn't as painful going back there as i thought <laughs> see you soon see you soon